Hello tribe and welcome to another episode of the Faye Jones Live podcast. This is your host Faye Jones and today we are going to be talking about a rather provocative topic and that is pride unmasked. I have to admit this has absolutely nothing to do with LGBTQ. So if you are listening and you think this is going to go into talking about the sin of sodomy and condemning everybody who is walking in the sin of sodomy, you are completely off. This goes so much deeper than that because the issue of why we're seeing everything that's happening in the world is due to pride that's gone covert, including in the church. So that is what I am going to be covering today. And you may be wondering, so how did this topic come about? Well, as you know, the month of June um, is is the month that um, those who are in the LGBTQ community chose to celebrate it as the month of pride. As a result, we've seen a lot of uh, fellow prophets and ministers uh, and people in the body of Christ that have been releasing all kinds of um, messages, social media posts, reels, you name it, all on the topic of pride. And, 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 and they keep going that route. And I was like, God, you know, I, I understand what they're doing. I understand the message. But there's something about this that is not quite settling it. I, I keep sensing that you're wanting to go deeper. And we keep leaving this topic of, of pride to just point out sexual perversion and and, and, and sexual tendencies. And I, I don't believe that you're you're wanting to leave it that superficial i think you're wanting to go deeper with this so like god you know show me where do you want to go with this and that's when i I decided i wanted to see what are all the scriptures in the bible that talk about pride and what does it say and i discovered that the bible speaks about pride and is specifically using the word pride 49 times and i found this very interesting and if you see me looking down, it's because I, I have literally nine pages worth of notes. I got a lot of notes, um, so I want to make sure that I stay on track and that I'm saying things um, accurately. So you're going to see me glance down and look at my notes. But um, the, there's there's several strongs that are used for that. And, and I want to show you just two particular Bible verses in which that context is is used because the first term of pride is meaning arrogance exalting ourselves above god and then the other meaning of pride is an as in god bestowing such a level of favor and because he's so proud of us that everything we do is prospered and exalted above everybody else's. So those are the two ways that God uses the word pride. Um, and just to give you an idea, we've all heard, you know, Proverbs um, sixteen eighteen, where it says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. So that is the pride of arrogance and exalting ourselves before God. And then we have the other one here, which is... Uh, the one that we see in the book of um, Leviticus, um, 
chapter 26, starting with verse 19. And it says, And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. I encourage you to read the full chapter because there's a lot of meat in that chapter, and I believe it's a very important chapter. I'm going to summarize it to the best of my abilities just to give you kind of a little background and context. So here in Leviticus, you know, Israel has already left Egypt. Uh, they're in the Exodus and um, they're, they're in the wilderness. God is giving them instructions about how they are to live and what are his boundaries and his standards for the kingdom living for the nation of Israel. He's essentially giving them the, the constitution. Uh, and in that, he says, if you obey these and you follow the constitution to the T, this is the things that I'm going to do for you. You're going to have amazing blessings. You know, your vineyards, your, your, your gardens will always be overflowing. They will always be productive. Everything you do will be blessed. And, and, and you know, it goes along those lines. But, he's, but then he switches it up and he says, but if you disobey me, this is what I will do. And shortly after that, it's that God begins to say that very verse that we just read, where he says, he will break the pride of your power and I will make your heavens as iron and your earth as brass. And if we continue to read to verse 20, it says, and your strength shall be spent in vain for your land shall not yield her increase. Neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. And if you walk contrary unto me, I will not hearken unto me. I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sin. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in numbers and your highways shall be desolate. And for those of you who are tracking, that was Leviticus chapter 26, verses 19 through uh, 22. And this is where this journey for this podcast started. Because it, it, I was like, wow, so pride to you is very serious. And, and, and you will not tolerate it because you went to such a length to say that if we become prideful, you're going to break us. You're going to remove all the blessings, all the things that you have given us to such an extent that we will work in vain. Everything we do will become desolate. And that's when it it clicked. Like, you know that moment you're, you're asking questions to God, the Holy Spirit, and you're like, oh my God, like, like, like where do we go from here? What is this thing that I need to say? And, and so forth. And, and, and you're just, you're trying to figure the thing out and you haven't quite been able to figure it out. And all of a sudden that light bulb comes on and you're like, ah, this is what he meant. And that is exactly what we're going to dive into in this podcast. What does he mean? And for that, I first, I want to break down to you Hebrew pictographs for the word pride as it's seen in Proverbs and then I want to show you um, also that word uh, in the context of what it looks like uh, in Exodus as well as uh, 
as other parts of the scriptures, but in specifically Exodus 19. So in Exodus 19, it is using Strong's 1, 3, 4, 7 in the Hebrew. And this Hebrew Strong, it, it stands for excellency, exaltation, and arrogance. So it kind of it's kind of like a, a two-way feeling. And the pictographs in there is Gemel, Aleph, Vav, and Nun. Um, Gemel stands for pride, foot, or exalted. Aleph is um, the the word that's used for you know strength and leadership. Vav it means to secure, and it is also nails, and um, it is is also portraying an image of Jesus. Um, and Nun is is uh, reference to the seed. In other words, life continued and increased. And so, what is that strong Hebrews one three four seven telling us? It is saying that when we are attached to God, when we are attached and secured through Jesus, that's what those nails mean. That's what the Vav is. God exalts us, secures us, and continues to increase it, increase us that we may bear fruit. And you're like, wow, Faye, that's, that's pretty interesting. But really, what I've been discovering as I've studied Torah and um and all of the the Old Testament, and I and I keep um, looking at a lot of these Hebrew words and their pictographs. I realize they all point to Jesus, and I'm I'm not making that up. Jesus Himself said that. Um, we're gonna look here in John chapter five, um, verses um, thirty nine and forty, where He is talking to the. Uh, Pharisees of the time and he says you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life these are the very scriptures that testify about me yet you refuse to come to me to have life so as you can see here this is where Jesus is telling him like look all these scriptures that you keep studying in the Torah the Tanakh um, they point to me I am that leader that secures you with the nails because I'm about to go lay down my life. I'm going to be nailed to a cross and it is through that that I am securing your eternal life, your victory, your prosperity, your healing, your deliverance that you will partake in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus was telling them and and, and you're looking for and you're looking for, you're looking for and staring right in front of you but and you choose to refuse it. So those are some pretty powerful words that Jesus was saying there. Um, but it is, it is nonetheless the truth of the situation that he was facing and what people were going through uh, back in his times. And we're still doing that today. We, we, we don't realize that everything that is in the scriptures, that everything we could ever want or desire or need is found through Christ. And that apart from him, the only thing we have guaranteed eternal damnation and failure so now here comes the other pride remember we read proverbs and um in proverbs it it, it was talking about pride goes before destruction um this word here is 
Goha. And it is the Hebrew Strong's 1344. And again, it starts with Gimel and Aleph. But notice in, in here, instead of going Gimel, Aleph, Vav, Nun, it goes Gimel, Aleph, He, which means, you know, you your foot, foot, pride, exalted. That's what Gimel means. So it can mean walking exalted, walking in pride. Aleph, meaning, you know, leader, strength, power, pride. And hey, look, breath reveals. So what is this, um, this saying here? Look at the prideful and exalted leader. But you notice it's not saying anything about that prideful, exalted leader being secured with nails with Jesus to bring increase. So it's, it's just saying, look at the exalted prideful leader this type of exaltment and pride that this leader is carrying that looks to be a perceived strength all of these things come right before the fall and it's very interesting for us in in our in the english language um it is difficult to to make that distinction or that difference which is why i encourage all of you to do word studies and and to really take a look at, at what the pictographs say um, in the original language in which the Bible was written, so that you can fully get the understanding of what God is saying. And so, when we, you know, that word pride, it, it's the same to us no matter what. It's pride. But when you look at the pictographs, it's making two distinctions. It's making one is where the leader is relying on, or the person is relying on their own strength, their own will, their own capacities and abilities, and it is based on their own abilities and capacities and strengths and virtues and whatnot that they walk exalted and, and haughty. And then there is one who walks exalted and elevated and walks in excellency because he is secured to Jesus. And because he is secured to Jesus, who is the strong leader, he is able to have a seed that has everlasting life and that continues to increase and prosper and bear fruit. So right there, I'm, I'm just setting the stage for you. And you're like, all right, Faye, that's great. You set the stage. You define what the word pride means. You, you talked about what it looks like in Leviticus, what it looks like in Proverbs. What does this have to do with this podcast? Are you giving me a preaching or are you going to teach me something? What does this have to do with psychology and with mental health and relationships and all these things? And don't worry, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Um, it is important, though, for me to set this stage, though, so that you can understand exactly where we're coming from. So now let's go back to Leviticus 26. Um verses 19 to 22 and you see in there that um god is is saying i'm gonna deal with um with you and if you do this i'm gonna even take away your children from you and i want to bring this into the context of what it is today because once i share the context of what it is today i think you're going to realize what is taking place in our nation and and in all the western nations of the world and frankly just all around the world let me just rephrase that all around the world and you're going to understand why these things are happening and 
when he says that he's going to have the wild animals come and take our our take the children you know rob us of of your children that's what it says in verse 22 what what this is representing in the grand scheme of things is a loss of future generations a loss of future generations in the literal and in the spiritual as a consequence of the disobedience i think it is safe to say that in today's society we are seeing a loss of generations everything from this um situation that's taking place with the gender dysphoria and and the sin of sodomy but we're also seeing our our future generations being lost with severe mental health issues where they're literally um, losing their mind some of them are coming to suicide addictions of all kinds all kinds of perversion and confusion to where um, it's making a society that's unstable where it leaves you wondering if this is what we have to count with what is there going to be left that's where we're at and that is exactly what god said would happen if we were to disobey the constitution of the kingdom of heaven which he issued once the exodus happened and once they entered into that season in the wilderness where god started to give instructions where we read part of it here in the book of leviticus in the central theme of this is what god is saying and, and that's kind of what the bible all speaks about is when we live a life of sin and disobedience there are consequences and some of the consequences that we are experiencing and some of the behaviors and the actions that we're taking are derived from a spirit of pride and you're like yeah Faye, you, you're still telling me nothing what do you mean a spirit of pride where is it derived and and you're going to want to go into leviathan and all of that what i am going to do today in this podcast is we are going to break this down to where I'm not going to hyper-spiritualize it and, and, and portray your picture of Leviathan, the spirit of pride, you know, sin, disobedience, to such a level where you're up in the clouds, woo in spirituality, and you're speaking in tongues and shouting, but you have no understanding of what that looks like, so that spirit cannot break off of your life and you still continue to walk in pride. You still continue to walk in that mess. And no change happens. So because there's no change, there's no deliverance, we continue to deal with the same issues in society. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a comprehensive, but it's not an exhaustive list of some of the ways that pride sneaks into our lives. You know, covert pride. And I'm going to tell you what those look like. And then we're going to break that down even further and we're going to address again a, a little bit more of what the results of that pride is in a very comprehensive, easy to understand way. Um, and we're going to address how do we break that spirit of pride from our lives? Again, in a very practical way, applying biblical principles so that you can walk in total freedom. And that's what I want to do today. So if you've already, you know, we're about 20 minutes in, you've been listening, you've bared with me. Now we get 
to that good part that you have been wanting to hear. And pardon me, because I do have to take a drink. I've been talking a lot, and my throat's been a little dry lately. Let's continue. So now let's look at, let's unmask pride, because if we don't know what pride looks like and how pride shows up, we don't know if we're walking in it or not, and we don't know how to address it. So let's expose what pride looks like. Let's expose how the spirit of pride manifests in our lives. And spoiler alert, if you are thinking that you do not walk in pride, I'm going to tell you right now the devil is a liar and I rebuke that spirit of denial off of you because we all have walked in some form of pride. Myself included, I am not exempt from this. And because of this, it is important that we are taking regular inventory and allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal where are the hidden issues of pride in our lives so that we can walk in that deliverance, so that we can be effective for the kingdom, and so that we can be in right standing with the Father. This is not something you can do on your own. You need to deploy the help of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't even know what it is you're looking for, if you don't even know what pride looks like, you have no idea whether or not you're walking in it. So today, we are going to unmask that spirit. We're going to take the scales off of your eyes so that you can now pursue that deliverance. And that if you find yourself that you're walking in any of this, repent. The Lord will forgive you and then decide you're no longer going to walk in that. And But we're going to get to that a little bit later. But the first, the, the first um, covert sign of the spirit of pride, of reluctance to apologize. And this is when someone is unable to say, I am sorry, after causing somebody else harm. And instead, they may resort into shifting the blame onto others rather than taking responsibility. So reluctance to apologize and blame shifting, that's pride. Unwillingness to learn. This is the individual who believes they already know everything and they're not open to new information or insight. One of the things that may come to mind is when somebody brings something to your attention and we immediately be like, I know, I know, I know. Me, be very straightforward, blunt, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but it does need to be said. If you're asking somebody for help and they're offering you the help and when they start giving you the help or the suggestion or the advice, whatever it is, and you say, I know, then why are you asking for help? Because if you know, you would be applying it and it would be bearing good fruit. Therefore, you wouldn't be needing the help of that person. So saying, I know, I know, I know, pride, because we're unwilling to admit that although we are aware of that piece of information, we do not know how to apply it. So it is just simply knowledge, but it hasn't turned into wisdom. And what the person giving you the advice is trying to do is they're not simply trying to impart knowledge into you. They're trying to teach you how to apply that knowledge so that it becomes wisdom. So when someone is giving us advice, when somebody is trying to teach us something, whether it's something completely new that we have never heard 
or something that we have heard, but it is obvious that we have not been successful at applying it in our lives to get the fruit that we want, we need to have the humility to be able to say, although I am aware of that information, I do not know how to apply it, therefore I do not know. Let me sit down and be quiet and let me listen to what this person is trying to impart into me because if not, I am wasting my time and their time. And I say that very kindly and lovingly without any judgment towards anybody. And the reason I can stand here and tell you that today is because that used to be me. I used to be that person who always said, I know, I know, but I didn't have the fruit that would show evidence that I knew. I was prideful and arrogant, unwilling to admit that I didn't know something or that I needed help. And this led to frustration and a lack of results. And it wasn't until I was willing to humble myself and sit in front of other coaches and leaders who are being successful in the area that I wanted to succeed in and look at them in the face and say, you know what, I'm familiar with the topic, I'm familiar with the information, but I have no idea how to apply it. Please teach me. It wasn't until I developed that level of humility able to start learning. So part of that willingness to learn is learning how to just kind of sit down, be quiet, and, and, and listen. Being open, and we're not saying open-minded to like receive all kinds of doctrines and, and, and foolishness, but just open to listening and learning how to apply the information. Domineering a conversation. And this is someone who often interrupts others and always steers the conversation back to themselves showing a lack of respect for others' viewpoints and experiences. How does this look like? Oh, you know, I, I, was, I was shopping at Wally Mart the other day, and I found this amazing butter that just tastes so delicious. Have you tried it? I think you would love it with a piece of steak. Yeah, I went to Wally Mart, and I'm not going to try any of their butters there because their products are frankly crap. And I can't believe that you would even try that stuff. I, on the other hand, you know, I have such great taste. I don't do Wally Mart. I go to Paul Mart and I shop there because their stuff is just amazing, better quality. What we did there is, because it's not just the person who's constantly interrupting but it's the person who also takes control of the conversation, completely diminishes and destroys the other exp person's experience. In other words, they completely invalidate the other person's experience. And they try to make the other person's experience look like if they're it's worthless, like it, 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 it has no, no, no point of, of being. And, and that, is, that is prideful because... What you're essentially saying when we engage in that behavior is our taste, our likes are far superior than anybody else's. And anyone who has a different taste or like that is different than ours is inferior to us. Do you see how that is prideful? Because having a difference in taste does not equal superiority. It equals diversity. 
different tastes of taste buds, different experiences, but it does not mean that one is superior to the other. Perfectionism. See, here's the thing. Perfectionism on the surface, it looks like a person who has a high standard, high diligence levels. However, to the core, what it is showing is an inability to delegate tasks for the fears that others won't be as good as you. Which again, it's a covert sign of pride because what we're saying is nobody else can do it better than me. Everybody else is subpar. They suck. I'm the great one. That's literally what we're saying. Defensiveness. This is where we react strongly to the feedback or criticism of others instead of appreciating the opportunity for growth. A prideful person will take it as a personal attack. And I know what you're going to say, but some people are doing a personal attack. And yes, we know how to tell the difference of when somebody's doing a personal attack and when somebody is just offering a constructive uh, criticism. So, for instance, if I'm writing an essay, in the essay I made a mistake in the punctuation of one of the um, subheadings, um, I didn't format it properly with title um, subheading based on APA standards or whatever, um, and somebody runs into that and says, hey, before you turn that in, you might want to fix that because, you know, there's only certain words that are supposed to be capitalized and then there's other words that are supposed to be all lowercase in this title and you need to make sure that you align it towards the center instead of the left and that it's in bold in order to meet the APA 7 standards. That's not a person redlining my paper. That is a person giving me constructive criticism to improve my work so that I can get a better grade on that essay. A person who's prideful will not receive that as constructive criticism and they will go on the attack because they will feel like they were attacked by that person and that that person was attacking that same scenario. How would it look like as an attack? Hey, Faye, I saw that you wrote this essay on whatever topic, and I see that the title could definitely use some work. I, I think you really need to learn um, how to do your title better. Uh, you know, for somebody at your level, you should already know how to do those titles. You know, it, it, this was a very easy thing, and in, in, in the fact that you missed it, you know, tells me that your game is not where it needs to be. That is a personal attack. That is not constructive criticism. That person, it is trying to use your mistake as a means to demean you as a person in your character and to label you as somebody who is less than and elevating themselves to a higher level simply because of that mistake. So let's learn to hear the difference. Constructive criticism and personal attack are two different things. But if we ourselves, and here's the key to this too, a lot of the times when we walk in a spirit of pride, we tend to be the ones who are constantly attacking other people. And because we are attacking other people and we don't know how to deliver constructive criticism or feedback without denigrating the person or questioning them as a human being and, 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 and trying to judge their, their level of competency, because we already think in that mindset, 
we think that everybody else thinks just like us. So we interpret constructive criticism as personal attacks. There's a freebie. Comparing to others. A person who's constantly comparing themselves to others and is always focused on how they are superior. And this goes down to a level of, you know, I don't know, you know, some of you, if you're from the United States, you've probably seen those commercials, um, you know, several years back where it was like, anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you know you can. Yes, I can. No, you can. Yes, you can. And that is literally the mindset of a person who's always comparing themselves. Everything is about, oh, yeah, you drink this glass of water. Well, I drink it better. I know how to do it better. Oh, so you make pink cupcakes. Well, my pink cupcakes are better because I use this and that and the other and this technique. It's not always a competition. Another way competition shows up and that comparison shows up comparing themselves to other is not always as in uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm better than you. Well, sometimes we tend to try to victimize it. Like, you see, I don't get those opportunities, but you do. You're so lucky. What are we trying to turn, tell the person? Why are we comparing our experience to their experience? Why are we trying to make ourselves look good and better than the other person instead of just being able to be happy for that person and celebrate them? These are the questions we need to start asking ourselves. Ignoring advice. Constantly rejecting advice or guidance that you very clearly know it is wise and it is trying to help you not harm you. Like for instance, and I'm going to make it really obvious and kind of exaggerate it so that you can uh, understand what it is that I'm, that I'm saying but um, let's let's make it really obvious here. Um, hey, Johnny, um, jumping off of that cliff without a parachute is not a good idea. And if you're new to paragliding, I, I think that maybe, or, or like cliff diving, maybe you should take some lessons and jump with somebody who um, is is really good at this and who knows what they're doing. Um, you know, that, that's just my observation. You know, I, I want you to have fun and I want you to have a good time, but I need you to consider this because, you know, if, if something fails, it's your life on the line, bro. You know, you may not make it out of there. So you might want to get some guidance on this. And Johnny's like, I don't need no guidance. You fool. I know what I'm doing. I watch this on YouTube. I know what I got to do. I don't need no parachute. I don't need no other kind of devices. I know that when I jump off that cliff, God is going to send some angels to carry me and they're going to fly me across the canyon and land me safely on the ground. Well, we both know what's going to happen to Johnny if he jumps off that cliff with that mentality. So many of us do that. We rely so much on our own knowledge, our will, our desires that we're not listening to God. And not just God as in, you know, him trying to speak directly through us, but even God trying to speak through us to other people. And we ignore that advice and then we get mad 
when things fall through. But the reality of it is, is that we were being arrogant. We were being prideful by ignoring sound advice. Not only because God was already speaking to us and Holy Spirit was speaking to us and we were ignoring it. So then now God's bringing other people to tell us the same thing. But, you know, we just keep ignoring it. A lack of empathy. Hmm. A lack of empathy is a lack of understanding towards another person's situation. And we may dismiss someone else's difficulties because they feel or we feel like our own challenges are greater or more important. Mm-hmm. Let, let's, let's, let's sit that sink in. How many times, and I'm going to speak to us church folks, have you seen somebody going through a really difficult situation and we say, Oh, no, I'm so sorry you're going through that, but at least it's not as bad as so-and-so. Or, I mean, let me tell you about how bad my situation was. It ain't about us. It ain't about you. It's not about your situation. It's about that person's situation. Now, does it mean you can't bring up a story of, of something similar that has happened to you in order to bring comfort or to demonstrate to that person that you do have some frame of understanding of what they're going through? No. You know, it's for instance, you know, um, a while back I I was talking with with a relative about, um, you know, a toenail and what happens when your toenail gets removed and the process of growth and everything. And although we both experienced the same thing, having a toenail removed, we it wasn't um, exactly the same circumstances. My circumstances was I was um, with my with my pastor at the time. Um, I was still in Puerto Rico, and we were at the food bank purchasing food for the food pantry at our church so that we can give it to those who were in need. And there was one of those really big, you know, bulk size um, cans. You know, they're like those cans that are like probably like, 10 inches wide and, and, and probably another 10 inches tall. They're really big, um, hold several pounds of, of food in it. And it was one of those big old cans like that of tomato sauce. And it fell from about four feet high onto my big toe. And it severed my toenail um, from the cuticle. And yeah, you know, as you can imagine, it was very painful. I had to go check my toe to make sure it wasn't. Um, broken or any of that stuff but it ended up that I lost that toenail temporarily and then I had to go through the process of you know healing the 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 cut and everything and then letting that toenail grow and so I was able to say yeah man I know I I I understand the discomfort and the pain of that because I, I, I went through something similar and and that I mean it's amazing how sensitive the toe is and how you don't really know how much you use your toe and how much how sensitive it is until you have an injury of that sort that needs healing and it's so tender and like wearing closed toe shoes is a no and and it, and that person was like yeah that's exactly what i'm feeling that is what empathy looks like now if i would have said shoe that's nothing let me tell you about my toe injury it was so much worse than yours you're just being a crybaby you're gonna be all right that right there is a lack of empathy so we need to look at how we're delivering the story that we're bringing of our personal 
And what is the posture of our heart when we're delivering that story? Are we telling that story simply to exalt our experience above the other person's and to make the person look like they're weak-minded or a crybaby? Or are we sharing our story to give the person some comfort and some hope to let them know, hey, you're not alone. There's other people that have gone to this struggle and I understand the feelings that you're going through at this time. That's the difference. How do you show empathy if you haven't been through that same experience? Because that's a question. Because if you've never gone through that experience, you're like, oh gosh, I don't, I don't know. And that's when you're like, you may be prompted to share somebody else's story or something else you heard, you know. But unfortunately, we do it in a way where it tries to minimize the experience of that person. And so this is where I want to encourage you to not do that. Always wanting the limelight. This is someone who's constantly seeking to be the center of attention. And this will show up again as trying to outdo others with stories and always wanting to be the one who presents the ideas. You always wanting to be the top dog. Inability to celebrate others' success. This explains, this is self-explanatory. If you are dealing with something where it's hard for you to be happy, genuinely happy, not fake happy, that, yeah, I'm so happy for you. And in your mind, you're like, oh, yeah, they always win. And they're so stupid. I can't. You understand what I'm saying, right? You need to be able to celebrate others, celebrate their achievements, their accomplishments. It's okay. Somebody else winning, somebody else thriving doesn't take away from you winning and you thriving. Difficulty asking for help. We kind of covered that earlier when we were talking about um, teachability. Um, But this is a person who's constantly avoiding asking for help when they clearly need it. And one big example is somebody trying to carry 500 pounds on their own and the weight is literally almost crushing them. They're about to fall. You know they're going to get injured. And they're, no, I got it. I got it. I got it but their legs are shaking, they can barely move. And you're like, okay, that's a sign of pride. Why would you prefer struggling when you can have somebody's help and get the same thing accomplished? It doesn't take away from your achievement in any way. It actually creates a bond between two people and it helps you accelerate and get there a lot faster. Quick to judge. And this is where where that defensiveness comes in. Um, We're quick to judge other people without fully understanding their situation or or their viewpoint. And this usually comes hand in hand with being defensive and with lack of empathy. Um, And this, this thing views that our perspective is the most correct or important. And I need to make the caveat here because we're not saying that this doesn't apply Um, let's say if you're in an area of expertise, like for instance, uh, let's say you're a brain surgeon and you specialize in pituitary gland injuries and you've been doing this for 50 years. So you're, and that's all you've been doing. You have a tremendous amount of wealth and knowledge. And now all of a sudden a podiatrist comes and tries to tell you how the brain functions. You're going to be like, with all due respect, how much study do you have when it comes to the brain? Because I've spent 50 years studying this. So while I am open to your ideas and everything, um, 
there's some things that you're missing that need to be looked at. That's different. But the majority of us, the majority of people, that's not how they're they're going about it. The the way we're going about it is I saw Susie Q from XYZ who heard it from AWP and they said that this is this and this is that and because of that the sky is purple and I don't care what anybody says the sky will always be purple if you don't see a purple sky then it's something wrong with you and that means you're in the wrong you're stupid you your eyes are broken but could it be while it is true that the sky is purple for that moment that depending on how the sun hits and temperatures and all of these other different things affect how the skies view in other parts of the world so while it might be purple here in Arizona in China it may look blue and in Wyoming it may look pink and nobody's wrong or right there's just other variables that have not been considered and this happens a lot with with social media these days and in a real life example for this is sound bites because with the popularity of TikToks and reels or what used to be vines back in the day we get these you know 30 seconds to 90 second um sound bites of somebody saying something and we automatically form an opinion or a judgment based on that but we never go back to the source to hear the whole thing and it might have been an interview that was two hours long and we are making a decision based on 90 seconds that we heard this is and and then we want to like stand on that die hard we're like that is what was said without looking to to look at more context and now we're quick to judge the person and to form an opinion because that's what the word judge means biblically is to form a permanent opinion about something without having all of the context when the bible tells us very clearly that to form an opinion without first doing our due diligence to hear the full context of everything and get all of the information and insight and knowledge on the situation is foolish. And, and that, you know, and that's putting it, you know, gently, because if we read it from the message version, it straight up says it's stupid. We need to make sure that we are, um, taking this, this matter, um, to heart. With this said, Realize this is going to be one of those podcasts that's multiple parts because there's still a lot more to cover. So this is going to be another series. So I'm going to wrap it up here in quick to judge. And in the next episode, we are going to continue on exposing what the pride looks like. And then we are going to go ahead and move into the consequences of pride and how we can um, address pride. Um, So things that I want you to do is replay this episode multiple times, go over what these different uh, covert ways that pride shows up into our lives look like and examine 
Like, what are you looking at? And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna cap them real quick here. You know, re- reluctance to apologize, unwillingness to learn, domineering in conversations, perfectionism, defensiveness, comparing ourselves to others, ignoring advice, lacking empathy, always wanting the limelight, inability to celebrate others' success, difficulty asking for help and quick to judge. See, where are you at? Take personal inventory. This is not about, oh, I'm going to share this podcast with so-and-so because so-and-so needs to hear it. I want you to share the podcast, but not because you're trying to throw a jab at somebody else, but because you're like, hey, man, this is really good information. We need to learn this together so that we can all do better together because we have a mission to accomplish for Christ and we need to break the spirit of pride from all of us. And it starts by identifying what the spirit of pride looks like in our life and repenting, permanently walking away from it. So with that said, I want to thank you for joining me for today's episode. Have a blessed day and I'll see you next week for the continuation of this podcast. God bless. Bye-bye.